I'm Sharna Bobi, and this is a series about the stories of art makers, curators, and influencers who inspire thoughtful perspectives on the world around us. I'm passionate about how arts can stimulate open-minded conversation, and I hope these episodes challenge you to see the world in new ways. Now, before we start, subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And if you love this podcast, rate and leave a comment. Hassan Hajjaj is a contemporary artist who lives and works between London and Marrakesh. In his body of work, Hajjaj celebrates his nomadic lifestyle and the diverse people he meets, from musicians to athletes, artists, and performers. Hajjaj is influenced by his love for music, between the hip-hop reggae scenes of London and the popular music of Marrakesh. His work has been collected by the Brooklyn Museum, the National Museum of Art, the Newark Museum, Los Angeles Museum of Contemporary Art, the Victorian Albert Museum, and Kamal Lazar Foundation. In 2017, Hassan Hajjaj photographed hip-hop artist Cardi B for the November issue of New York Magazine. Hassan invited me to his studio and we had a chat about his journey as an artist. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. Hi, uh, how are you doing? Hi, I'm here with Hassan Hajjaj. That's correct. In uh, East London. Yep. And um, we're here in your studio on Calvert Avenue. Yeah, it's a shop, studio, meeting place, storage, uh, office. How long have you been here? I've uh, been here since 2004. 2004. So 14 years, yeah. And where were you before? Uh, before that, where was I before that? Oh my god, where was I before that? I was in Camden, before that, I was in Camden. In Camden. Yeah. Um, no, I was in East London, sorry. East London. East London for a couple of years and Camden before that. Yeah. yeah. I'm really happy to be here with you. I've been okay. really looking Yeah, sorry for... about today, it's been a bit crazy. <laughs> no, um, so, you know, in, in this location, it's, it's a, to describe it for anybody who hasn't been here before, it's a, it's a shop, it's also a studio. It's, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I don't place. even know where it is. It's open to the public when we're here. Yeah. Uh, but really, it's the place we use it for work, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a studio where we do all the production in Clapton Square. Okay. And here is really is like a place where, as it, firstly, it's like an office showroom. It becomes a story sometimes, uh, and it's kind of a shop. It's open to the public when we're here. Yeah. Well. And also a studio I shoot outside, so I do all my shooting there as well. Amazing. Um, I always like to start in the beginning to, you know, where you first discovered art. How did you even, I mean, get into the arts and how did you know that art was something you wanted to explore? Uh, that came sort of part of a journey. I didn't really plan to be doing art or become an artist at the beginning. It was just something, the love of photography. Uh, basically, I've always liked photography uh, before, I suppose, I became an artist. And sometimes I used to go and take pictures for myself. I wasn't thinking it was going to be a, a career or something that would become what's so called an artist. Mm-hmm. So it happened over a period of time. It was really, um, I suppose I'll call it the love of photography. Love of photography. Yeah. It's been said that um, there are um, thematic references to the, the art of studio photography. Yeah. Were you interested in the works of, let's say, for example, Monique Sidibe or some of these older... Um, photographers from the previous generation? Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely have a big respect and I'm a big fan, uh, especially Medic Sadibi. Um, you know, my journey with the studio of photography came from uh, when I was 
before moving to London, um, I was born in Lerathen from Morocco, and the I've got four pictures of myself from the age of let's say one until 13 and they're all to do with studio sitters because then nobody had cameras so you have to go with your mum and dress up and go to local studio and do you know do family portrait so that was my first impact of studio photography but I wasn't really looked at as art it was just that's what was happening in the whole continent of Africa and South America and everywhere else um, and there was in my turn there was three different photographers there was the studio photographer that had you know a space, indoor space with all these props and backdrops mm -hmm. and lights. Mm -hmm. And then there was a, a photographer that was downtown where everybody hanged out in the evening mm -hmm. where he would have like a plastic horse with a cowboy outfit, a racing car, mm -hmm. and as a kid he'd dress up and have a picture there. Mm -hmm. And then the third photographer would be during the summer, they'd get like two or three photographers on the beach going around taking pictures of people that want to have pictures for memory for, you know, having a holiday. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the time where you have a picture taken, you pay deposit, you get a piece of paper, and then a few days later, you will be working around with the prints and you collect your print. Mm -hmm. So that was the first impact of studio photography. Mm -hmm. um, so my work has two. There's the studio photography that, when I decided to continue doing this, when I decided to do the studio photography, I had to look my journey with it and also all these masters because all these masters like Malik Sadibi and you know any of these uh, classic photographers they're also taking pictures of the people of their town their city so it was becoming it's like apart from just taking pictures actually they documented a period of time mm -hmm. and if you look at Malik Sadibi's work you know you see independency you see a style you see a time of, of what you know like 60s 70s and stuff like that so when I decided to continue this, I had to question myself why. And for me, it was about doc documenting. I feel like I'm a person from that seed that's been spread into Europe. And I've sort of taken pictures of my friends that have been also coming from different parts of the globe, ending up in London, Paris, wherever I've taken pictures. So it was about documenting these friends. So for me, it was important to keep that tradition, but I'm sort of taking it to the next step. Mm -hmm. And also to try to present the work in the contemporary way with the kind of style on yeah. the products and the plastic mats and stuff yeah. like that. So that's my sort of reason for for doing this. Because really anybody can go and hang up a backdrop and take pictures. Exactly. But I think for me it's more important to have something, a, a deeper story. And it's also it's a personal thing with, with my work. Amazing. How has your upbringing um, between Marrakesh and uh, England influenced your interest in culture and the arts in general? Uh, major, you know, because I think if I grew up in just one of those spaces, there's definitely I wouldn't be doing this work. You know, each place gave me something, a different point of view about the other place. And this helped me in my work. So it's an expression of how I can see my country from Europe and how I can present my country from traditional to the, to the West to my friends. Mm -hmm. So it was really that really has a big impact in my work. So typically when we look at your fo your photographs and the way they're presented in the frames, there are these cans that are aligned along the frame. Yeah. What is the significance of these? Uh, this is really it's about pop culture. Uh, in my early work in the 90s, my first body of work was all about Arabic products. Um, so when I decided to show photography about people, I wanted to use these products, products around the frames, really to decorate the frames, but also using that kind of uh, repeated pattern like we have in, in the Arab culture and the Islamic culture, like mosaics. 
Um, on top of that, also working with brands, you know, a lot of my images, you know, sometimes you see somebody wearing Louis Vuitton, so I thought, why not put Coca-Cola around the frame? Also, it communicates to people easier. You know, the power of the brands has been incredible in my work, because sometimes people don't even look at the image, they see something like what's familiar with them. And that's been helping my work to, uh, to I suppose, um, communicate to public from all over the world. I mean, even if you see Coca-Cola in Arabic, you know, it's a Coca-Cola or Louis Vuitton Moroccan slipper. So this is really part of uh, using this this kind of uh, idea also about communicating and also playing around with these brand names mm -hmm. as a pop culture. And along with this, some of the people that you photographed have been, you know, musicians and artists mm -hmm. and um, some would say, you know, celebrities or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, who are some of these people or the people in general that you photographed that you've really enjoyed working with? Uh, really real people, you know. People, I hope, like myself, I hope I'm like them. People are <laughs> underdogs, people striving, people being moved around, people hungry, they believe in what they're doing. You know, have something. You know, there's people that just have it, and it's not to do with mainstream or fame or money. Yeah. Uh, and for me, this has really been important in my work. It's about people because they're the ones that really give the energy to my to my work. Mm -hmm. As far as celebrities, I'm not a celebrity photographer, mm -hmm. but that's kind of came later on in my career, mm -hmm. and I'm welcoming this because it's still pop culture. Mm -hmm. um, so why not? I can hang my friend, local person from America, an acrobat next to mm -hmm. maybe Madonna. Why not mm -hmm. doing this? Mm -hmm. um, but I don't want the celebrity work to overshadow the importance of my work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you about the Cash Angel series yeah. that you did. Um, it was really interesting to see women, you know, depicted in a way that they might not have other otherwise been mm -hmm. um, on these motorcycles. Very cool, very um, edgy way. What was your idea behind that series? Uh, really, you just said it because... Uh, you know, the that was born. Cash Angels is short for Marrakesh. Cash is short for Marrakesh. And I took the word Hell's Angels and played around with this word as a brand, called it Cash Angels. You know, in Marrakesh, in the old Medina, everybody uses bikes. You know, like young kids, male, female. Some have still wear traditional stuff, some wear modern stuff. So really, I just highlighted this because there's a, a new in Europe, there's this uncomfort feeling to see a woman with a veil driving a bike. But in matter of fact, there's a reality of this. I've just highlighted it and played on it and staged it a little bit more mm -hmm. theatrical mm -hmm. with reality. Mm -hmm. As simple as that. In your creative process when you're making work, how do you stay inspired? How do you, um, you know... Um, I mean, it, probably everything, you know. I tap into, you know, luckily I'm sort of, work, you know, my work, I have design, I have fashion, I have photography, I have film. So it's a big Pandora box I've opened up that I can tap into. Uh, it could be anything. It could be music. It could be textile. It could be, you know, meeting young people, seeing something coming from this new generation. It could be film. It could be travelling. I mean, really, it's uh, because... I'm coming from somebody who didn't study art, so I have to tap into what's around me in, in a sense and what influences, what influences me as well. So it's really, I would call it tapping to life, really. Mm, wonderful. Um, are there any other artists that you find interesting or that, that you collect? Do you collect as well? Uh, no, I'm not a collector. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I mean, you know, I've been lucky. I have a few pieces I've done swaps or, yeah. you know, I've... I've bought one or two pieces from friends that I've liked mm. but I'm definitely not a collector uh, probably more close friends I'm not really sort of somebody who's uh, looking for name and stuff yeah. you know, and I'm not somebody who wants to buy something and just have it stored as yeah. well um, 
you know, friend like Zach Ove, Blaise Simons, um, Horace Ove, Eben Heath, um, and these are friends. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and then goes on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I guess to close, um, are there any words of advice or um, insight that you would give to anybody that's an emerging artist that's also trying to make their way in, in this, you know, this um, journey of I, becoming an artist? Well, I mean, I wish I could help. Uh, you know, I, from my point of view, you know, it really takes hard work. You have to be dedicated. You have to, you know, I think also you have to find what you want to do within if you're doing art within the arts world. Um, not sometimes overthink it too much. Um, and it's you know it's it's one of those things you have to keep at it. It's not easy sometimes. You know, there's some artists have it easy quite you know quite early their stages. But in general, it's you know like I always remember an interview with uh, Hot Chili Peppers, Red Hot Red, is it Hot Chili Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. the band, and I remember seeing an interview of theirs when they had a big album that was quite popular, and the interviewer said to them, "I oh, so it's great you're having this success. How does it feel being successful?" And one of them turned and said, "Success? He goes, we've been on the road for fucking eighteen years, <laughs> and that for me that always stuck with me. So yeah. it's really it's about it's a long uh, road. It's a long road. It's, if you want to do it for for your life, yeah, it has to be a long term thinking as well, Amazing. and and also it shouldn't be to do with money or fame. That's uh, if you're going with that, yeah, it's a big mistake. Yeah. Can I ask you more questions? Yeah. I think sometimes. Um, it's difficult for young people who are becoming artists to find a way to make a living off their art. Um, and it's the reality of, okay, maybe a parent or somebody might suggest, do something else and then maybe you can do art on the side or do something else and maybe you can do art later. What's your advice on that? Because it's Well, kind of you know, I, I'm old school. Uh, you know, I think when you start, obviously you're not making money and it's like I always take the blueprint of my parents and my friends' parents where they've come and done two jobs yeah. to to keep their family and try to save money to to buy a piece of land back home and build. You have to use the same motto. It means you have to get a full-time job as you do that and then after your job you have to go in and put in the hours in the art yeah. you know, and, 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 and do that until it, it sort of clicks. So you have to work harder. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way. You can't just, you know, as I said, some artists are lucky. They might go and do body work and it sells immediately. But in general, in general, most artists don't have this pleasure of, of, of having this kind of route in their life. Mm-hmm. So you have to, while you're working to survive, everyday survival, then within that you have to go into your lab, whatever it is, and recreate. It's about creating the work and keep creating as much as you can and keep pushing and don't give up and something will happen. Amazing. Thank you so much for making the time. I'm Sharna Bilby and you've been listening to In Studio, the podcast. If you love this episode, remember to leave us a comment and tell us how you liked it. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. If you'd like to find us on social media, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at InStudio with SO. Join me next week for another episode of InStudio with Sharon Thank you for listening.